It'll be great. All right, 1 Peter chapter 1. If you look at verse 14, I'm going to read down to the end of verse 25. Verse 14, chapter 1, verse 14. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. And if ye call on the Father, who without respect to persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. For as much as you know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversations received by the tradition of the fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. Seeing ye have purified your souls and obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower of thereof fadeth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever." And this is the word by which by the gospel is preached unto you. Amen. And you know, we know this. We've talked about this before. I mean, on a Wednesday night, uh, this is nothing new. And, and I just want to spend just a few minutes on a subject here in this, uh, the latter end of this passage. We know this. We know that love is a choice. Amen. You can choose to love. You can choose not to love. Love is a choice. Love is commanded, Deuteronomy 6, 5. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy soul, with all thy heart, I'm sorry, with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. Jesus quoted this actually in Matthew chapter 22 and verse 37 when he was asked, what is the greatest commandment? And he, he quoted this here in Deuteronomy 6, 5, the Shema. You know, Jesus also, if you remember, told his disciples, he said, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. Right? And so we see here that love is a choice and love has been commanded by God. But here's what I've noticed. We don't have a problem loving or choosing to love, right? So often our choice to love is based on the value that we place in the object. Let me say this again. Our choice to love is based upon the value that we have placed in the object of our love. Let's be honest, a lot of times what we love is based upon what they do for us, right? I love my dog, he's really good. My cat doesn't do a thing for us. <laughs> it's not even my cat. It's just, it just is there. It's, it's, a, it's a vagabond, it's a transient. It just lives at our property and eats food. But, but you, know, you know what it's like, right? You, by and large, by and large, we choose to love things that based on what they do for us. This is on the human level I'm talking about. Now, it's not how it works in God's economy. And thankfully, we're not, we, we are not in prison to that anymore, right? With the indwelling spirit of God in us, we can love anybody and everybody. 
And I'm thankful for that. But in God's economy, Isaiah 55 and verse 9, it says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your uh, thoughts. God's ways are far beyond us, and God's thoughts are far beyond us. And in our text tonight, God has commanded us to love our siblings in the Lord. But the motivation to love them may not be what you're really thinking. And I want to look at that tonight just for a moment here. And if you'll notice, you won't, you, 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 as we come up through this, you'll notice it throughout the entire Word of God. right? Before God created anything, He determined that He would remedy the problem of sin. God knew that when Adam was created, He knew when Adam and Eve were in that garden, He knew before He ever made them, He knew what was going to happen. He knew that what they were going to choose. We do not believe in what is called the predeterminate fall. We do not believe, the Bible does not teach that God predetermined that Adam sinned. Absolutely not. Just because God knows, it doesn't mean He determines. Right? God is much bigger than the Calvinists may come out to be. He is much more capable of allowing man to have a free will right, and still have all of the power and authority to make sure uh, we get everything gets to where he needs it to be. Uh, and especially when we look at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ in that way. Listen, God is much bigger than they may come out to be. God knew he was going to sin and God knew Adam and Eve were going to sin and he made provision uh, for them. When did he make provision? Well, Revelation 13:8 tells us provision was made before the foundation of the world. The Bible says that Jesus was slain from the foundation of the world. What does that mean? In the mind of God, in the plan of God, it was already determined that Jesus was going to Calvary. And Jesus was going to pay for sin. Remember when Abraham, you go back to Abraham and Isaac. And what were those words that Abraham told Isaac when Isaac asked where the, where the lamb was? Abraham said, God will provide himself the lamb. It was prophetic. It was prophetic. He knew God, it was already determined. God himself was going to be the lamb. And it was God, it was God who determined what the price of redemption would be. He was the one who has sinned against. He's the one who was offended. He's the one who has disobeyed. And it's still the same thing today, right? When we sin, when we disobey, when we are in offense, it is against God. David said it quite well, didn't he? Against thee and thee only have I done this sin. And so because God was the one offended, it is God alone who will determine what can atone for sin. I'm thankful that God even came to the place of saying, tell you what, I'll come up with an atonement so that you can come back, so I can have you back to myself. Friend, he didn't have to do that. He could have just walked away and left us alone. He absolutely could have done that. But that's not what he did. He loves us. What did God do? What did he determine to do? Well, the first thing that God did after sin, Adam and Eve, their eyes were opened one of the first things the Bible says after their eyes were open, it says they knew they were naked. That's fascinating to me. Of all that could have been said, they knew. Sin came into the world and sin messed up, messed up what God said was pure. What God created is good. First thing they noticed, they were, they were naked. And the Bible says that God took an animal and he, of those animals, he, he, he took uh, skins. See, Adam and Eve tried to dress themselves. It didn't work. God said, I'll dress you. And it's my opinion. 
it's a good thing to have that same attitude to ask God to dress us and not ourselves because generally we come up in the wrong way many times. But God said, I'll dress you. What happened though? He made coats of skin. What does that mean? Animals had to be killed. Blood had to be shed. Right? Absolutely. Obviously, he passed this down to Adam. And obviously, Adam passed this down to Cain and Abel. Because what happened when Cain and Abel came to offer sacrifice, Abel came with with a bloody sacrifice, an animal sacrifice, which God said, that's good. And Cain came with a bunch of fruit and vegetables. Now, let let me say this. Could you imagine how beautiful that banquet of vegetables and fruit was? We've probably never seen fruit and vegetables as perfect and beautiful as what, as what Cain brought to God. I mean, it was, it, was, it was, you know, God's creation. It was his own thing, you know. But here's the problem. You, you know the old adage. You can't get blood out of a turnip, right? You can't get blood out of a turnip. God wanted, God wanted blood. Let me say this. Here's another little, nice little note here before we move on. Uh, can I tell you this? You can work your fingers to the bone. And bring God the most beautiful offering that you think it is. But if it is not what He has asked for, you are simply coming to God with a work salvation. You're coming to Him with your own works, not by works of righteousness, right? Which we have done according to His mercy. He saved us. So what is God requiring here? God required a blood sacrifice. Leviticus 17, 11, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. So here it is. God has been offended. God has been sinned against. God said, tell you what, out of love, out of grace, out of mercy, I am going to make a way for you to come back to me because I want you back. And here's the way. Blood. It's going to be blood. God determined the price. God determined the price. Yeah. I don't know if, how much you've thought about it. But... Uh, Blood sacrifices are costly. Even if it was just a turtle dove, even if it was just a pigeon, right? They cost something. They cost something. Lambs and sheep, they cost something. Cows cost something, right? This is the point of an offering. It is costly. It has a value to it. Over in 1 Chronicles chapter 21, remember David had sinned and he was, he was going to make a, an offering. He went to the threshing floor of Ornan and he, he said, I need this, let me buy it from you. And Ornan said, hey, you can have it all. And David said this, nay, but I will verily buy it for the full price. For I will not take that which is thine for the Lord, nor offer burnt offerings without cost. Why? Because, listen, a real offering has got a cost. It has a value to it, right? You know, there's been some pretty great offerings given in time, haven't there? Right? No, no sacrifice ever given, though, can compare to God's sacrifice. I don't know if you'll, re- you'll, you'll remember this with me. You can go back to Mark chapter 14 and remember with me the woman with the alabaster box of ointment. He, she brought it in. And remember the, the Pharisees and some of them were, got really mad because she had broke this alabaster box open and she had anointed the, the head and the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they said, hey, that for it might have been sold for more than 300 pence. Many have said that as a year's salary, 
three hundred pence and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. Yeah. Why? It was a costly offering. It was a costly. A year's salary. You add that up. I don't know what you make. Brother Earl makes about 250000 a year, I'm sure. You know, you add that. Am I off a little bit? You didn't know you got a, you got a cut and pay, did you? No. <laughs> yeah. You take what you go. Hey, take, you make 40000 50000 80000 100000 20000 no thousand. <laughs> add it up and come in next Sunday morning and lay it right here to God. A lot of money. That's a huge sacrifice. Yeah. When Solomon was dedicating the temple, these are the weird things that fascinate me. He, he dedicated 20,000 oxen and 120,000 sheep. The, listen to this now. The blood that was offered at the temple dedication and today's money, if you were to go out and buy 20,000 oxen, I didn't realize how expensive an ox is. A cheap one's a grand. Real good ones are about 10 grand. I didn't know that. So I'm going to the cheap ones. Right? You know how people bring offerings. No. <laughs> so so 20,000 oxen, 120,000 sheep, a couple hundred bucks a piece. You're at 48, listen, million dollars in today's money. That's a pretty big sacrifice. So Solomon offered... $48 million worth of blood at the, at, the, at, the, at, the, uh, at the dedication of the temple. But what did the blood of Jesus cost? How, how do you determine that? Let me say it this way. How could you even determine that? You see, last week we saw that God is holy. And He's... He is a holy God. He is a separate God. He is apart from all of His creation. And the blood of Jesus, compared to who He is, determines the value of that blood. It's pretty valuable. It's pretty powerful. You think, you think of the ability. Think what you could do with $48 million. Right? Well, a drop of the blood of Christ can can take away the sins of millions upon millions. <laughs> pretty valuable. Pretty awesome. Pretty powerful. See, there's just no way to put a value on the blood of Jesus Christ. Now look at our text. Would you please look at verse 18? For as much as ye know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by the tradition of your, from your fathers. But... Wasn't your, it wasn't your old life, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. We see here it's precious blood. That word precious meaning of great price. Watch, especially dear. Let me tell you something. If somebody, it happens all the time. Somebody gives an organ for somebody else. 
Some, hey, a family member has, has somebody die in a car wreck and they give, they give the organs away and that person, they meet them one day and somebody has life because of their family, has, because of the death in their family. And sometimes you'll see those families will meet and it's a, it's a precious thing, it's a dear thing when they meet, the, the joy and the thankfulness that that person who is alive, uh, that they have for the one who, gave, who lost their life and they got to live because of them, right? It's a dear thing, it's a precious thing, it's precious blood, it's spotless blood, amen. There's no, there was no sin in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice this, what else it's, contended, it's, it's associated with the lamb's blood. The lamb's blood. It's innocent. Friend, the animals didn't sin that were sacrificed. It was a picture of the sinless Son of God. Yeah. Pretty valuable. Pretty valuable blood. But we're the complete opposite of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're the complete opposite. Look at verse 14. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance. What were we? We're just, wait, before Christ saved us, we were just a bunch of ignorant sinners, right? We, were, we had a life that was dominated by lust. We had a life that was dominated by ignorance. We had a life that was dominated, that was run, that, I'm sorry, that, that not dominated by, but we, we had a life that was marked by total futility. What a pointless life. Go back to Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Look what the preacher says back here. Ecclesiastes chapter 2. I think, I think we were just here not too long ago, actually. Sounds familiar. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, Samson, uh, Solomon is changing gears. He's trying to find uh, wisdom and, and pleasures in other places. Look what he says in verse 1, I said in mine heart, go to now, I'll prove thee with mirth. Therefore enjoy pleasure, and behold, this also is vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad, and of mirth, what doeth it? I sought mine heart to give myself unto wine, yet acquainting mine heart with wisdom, and to lay hold on folly till I might see what was that good for the sons of men, which they should do under the heavens all the days of their life. I made me great works, I builded me houses, I planted me vineyard, I made me gardens and orchard, I planted trees in them of all kinds of fruit, I made me pools of water to water therewith the wood that bringeth forth trees. I got me servants and maidens, and I had servants born in my house. I also had, also I had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. I gathered me also silver and gold and peculiar treasures of kings and of provinces. I got me men singers and women singers and delights of the sons of men as musical instruments and that of all sorts. So I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me and whatsoever mine eyes desired. There's that lust. I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my portion of all my labor. Nobody goes on to say in verse 17, though, when he got to the end of it, therefore I hated life, he said. He says it's all vanity and vexation of a spirit. And this is what our life was before Christ, right? It was dominated by lust. It was dominated by ignorance. It was defined by a life of utter futility, completely opposite to the Lord Jesus Christ. And listen, we had zero to offer to God. We had nothing to offer. Our spirit was dead. Our works were inefficient, insufficient. 
Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he has saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Listen, we could not save ourselves. We didn't want to save ourselves at one place. I'm telling you, we, 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 were, just a, we were just a messed up sort, weren't we? And what did God do? He redeemed us back to himself. Why? Because he wanted to. <laughs> because he wanted to. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but ever, have everlasting life. Why did he redeem us back? Because he loved us. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Why did God redeem us back to, a, to himself? Because he wanted to, out of grace. Because of his grace. Look at verse 3. 1 Peter chapter 1. Look at verse 3. Remember this? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Micah 7, 18, I love it. It says, Who is a God like unto thee? Who is a God like unto thee who pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever. Why? Because he delighteth in mercy. Yeah. Why did God redeem us back to himself? Because love was in his heart. Grace was his motivation. Mercy was his joy. Because he wanted to. Oh, the wonder of it all. Just to think that God loves me. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. God redeemed us back to himself. We had nothing to offer. And he set the, he set the price. Remember, we already saw that. He set the price. What was it? Blood. Blood. Here it is in our text, the precious blood of Christ. There's at least two takeaways from this truth of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm just going to have two here tonight. If you listen real closely, I hope I can word it well so I don't have to repeat it. The price of the one being ransomed reveals the value of the hostage. Right. If, if, somebody, if somebody stole our dog and said, you give me $100,000 to get the dog back, I'd be like, well, enjoy your new dog. I, I really love him, but not hundred grand worth. He's a great dog, yeah. yeah. But what if somebody took one of your children and said a million dollars? Would you say, eh, how about eight fifty? <laughs> no, it could depend on what they last did before they got stolen, right? <laughs> we had a pastor years ago. <laughs> he had six kids, and some of them were trouble. And he was preaching one night. He was talking about how sometimes in the wild, uh, animals will eat their own young. He was, he was part of an illustration, and he stopped and goes, Boy, I should have eaten a few of mine. <laughs> the price of the ransom reveals the value of the hostage. 
Here's a second takeaway. The price of the ransom reveals the ability of the one who's paying it. You know, you know what they do. What, what, what do you do? You always look for the deepest pockets. When the, when the lawyers start showing up for lawsuits and there's a lot of people going on, they're, they're going to they're gonna find the deep pockets. That's who they're going after. Yeah. Can I tell you this tonight? Our Heavenly Father finds such value in you and I that He thought we were worth His own blood to redeem us back to Himself. I'm telling you, it's so astounding we will never be able to fully grasp that. But there's something more here. There has never been anybody who has ever been or ever will be able to pay that price. There is nobody who has ever been or ever will be who has the, the ability, let me say this, the ability or the desire to pay that price. Yeah. So look at verse 22. We're born again now. <laughs> Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. You're born again now. God has redeemed you back to Himself. He paid the price, the blood of His own Son. Why? Because you're you are incredible worth to Him. Your incredible value to God. Now notice this. Look at the end of verse 22. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. Yeah. What's he saying? For, to you and I here. We're all redeemed. If you're here tonight and you're born again, you're a child of God tonight, you're of the redeemed. You're of those that Jesus paid the price. So what's he telling them here? Love the redeemed. Love your brothers and sisters. Why? Because they're of great value. Remember when he started out, I said, well, it's easy to love something that has value. Many times we choose to love what has value to us. But God has demonstrated that we have a tremendous value to Him. Watch. And if we're all a part of the same family, shouldn't it be easy to love one another when we, watch, when we understand what our value really is? There could be a chance that maybe not you're having a hard time loving another brother or sister in Christ. Yeah, right? Love is commanded, right? It's commanded. It is a choice, but we've been commanded to love. And we have a choice whether we want to love or not love. But it's easy to, it's easy to love something that we place value in, right? Yeah. Let me, let me help you tonight. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. How? How can you do that? Because every redeemed child of God has great value to God. Wait, you think you have value, Right? I mean, we don't have a problem thinking, well, I believe what God says about me. Bless God. I believe it. That is wonderful. I love it. I believe it. Well, why don't you believe about the other one that you're having trouble loving? Yeah. See, every time that you look at another brother or sister in Christ, you're looking at someone who has infinite, eternal value to God. And you know what it can do? It can kind of help you love them. 
If you have to have a reason, right? We see here, look, look, here it is, verse 22. You've been bought with the precious blood of Christ. You are, you are of great value to God. You're worth something. Let me help you out with this. Sometimes it's much easier to love someone who is loved by someone you love. Maybe when you were a kid, you became a young adult, you got a little bit older, right? And you'd see somebody in town, a friend of your father's, a friend of your dad's, and boy, you're just kind of friends with them too because they're a friend of your dad and you're a friend of theirs. Just easy, wasn't it? You love God tonight? You love God tonight? All right, good. Make it sure. There are brothers and sisters in Christ that he loves. That we are commanded to love. If we, watch, if we would look at each other with the value that God has, looks at us, it might be a little easier to love one another. <laughs> yeah. This is the command here. See it? Seeing you have purified your souls and obeying the truth of the Spirit, unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. Maybe a good, good thing to remind ourselves tonight that every sibling that we have in Christ is loved by our Father, every one of them. Whether they're annoying, <laughs> whether they have done something that has not been nice, whether they, whatever, fill in the blank. God loves them exactly as He loves you. And to Him, they're worth an enormous price. An enormous prize. And if you're having trouble loving somebody, maybe you just need to step back and understand that my Heavenly Father, who I love, loves them, and He thinks they have a lot of value. And I just need to love them like He does. You know what the great thing is about that? We also have the indwelling Spirit of God to help us do that too. It's like no excuse. <laughs> so let me ask you tonight, here it is. Are you loving your siblings in Christ? Are you loving them? They have a lot of value. They have a lot of value to the one you love. Yeah. May God help us. I know it's the world is backed up and gone sideways. We've gotten, listen, we've gotten so, the, the society, I don't know what it is like in the rest of the world, I'm sure it's not much different, but our society is so self-centered, so self-absorbed, right? And uh, we should be the last people that look like that on the planet. Absolutely. May God help us tonight to love one another. You know what, if we love one another, here's the next thing you realize, that God loved, loved you, right, before before the ransom was even paid. Before it was applied, let me say. Yeah. Before it was ever applied. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So what do we do? We love one another. Because the, our brothers and sisters have a lot of value. precious. Blood. But listen, we love, the, we love the world too. We love the lost. Because God died for them as well. Amen. It was John Phillips who gave an example of a, 
a man, he was, uh, went to a large church, he said. And he was always amazed at how large this church was. And uh, the, he said the, the altars were always full. The place was a massive place. It was always full of people. and People always getting saved. And he asked his friend about it. And he says, well, uh, you know, we just love God and we love each other and we love, we love the lost. Pretty simple. Love God, love each other, and love the lost. Real simple. Yeah. May God help us to not veer from that and not get t- sidetracked, sidetracked, not backslidden, sidetracked from that. Right. Our Father, thank you tonight. We love you. You're such a good Father. We thank you. We can't even fathom how you would value anything in us. But we're thankful that you do. We're thankful that you are love and that you love us. Father, would you help us to love one another? We all have great value and help us to have the, your, the, the, the eyes to see the value of each soul in this room, each brother and sister in this room. Help us to see that and that we'd love one another as we ought to. And then, Lord, that we'd see the value of the lost world like we once were. That we'd be able to see that See them as you see them. And that we would love them to the Lord Jesus. And go out and reach them. And compel them to come in. Would you do that work in our hearts tonight? Well, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand tonight if you would. Altars are open. People are praying. The instrument's going to play. However the Lord has spoken to you. Are you loving one another? Is there anybody you've... You wouldn't say it, you wouldn't raise your hand, but you've found it kind of hard to love. You've been commanded to love. You love the lost world. You love souls. God says they have great value. Great value to Him. He loves them. He loved us. Some of you might have lost family members that just irritate the fire out of you. (laughs) We've been commanded to love them. You might not think so. You might not totally comprehend it, but God, God thinks they're worth the blood of his own son. Praise the Lord. We uh, will, Saturday morning, men's prayer and uh, soul winning. I won't be here. I'll be trying to catch a flight, but uh, we'll, we'll still have that. And uh,